Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, chapter by chapter, out loud. We're looking back in the book of Exodus, looking at chapter 10 today. Uh, the, the episode yesterday was a lot of fun, though. We had a really great discussion, a lot of good questions, actually. Um, if you check out the, the Facebook uh, live stream uh, playback, we had a good bunch of good questions there posted, some good discussion. But yeah, but back into Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 10, uh, wow, I mean, like, the, the plagues here, it's, I mean, yeah, so things are continuing to escalate. But I mean, this is, I think, where you kind of start to see that there are some really significant patterns, um, and, and there's really kind of mo more than one here. You know, with these big ones here, with locusts and, and darkness, and, and this, you know, leads up into what is counted as the final plague. You know, this is all going somewhere. This is all a part of a plan. It's all got this shape here. Um, but also, of course, it's just really cool to talk about the darkness and locusts. Uh, <laughs> I've learned so much about locusts over the years, more, maybe more than you all want to know. But anyways, uh, without any further ado, our guest today joining us. Um, and I don't know how, how much of a locust uh, aficionado he might be, but we've got Pastor David Fleming, pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Good morning, brother. How are you and the brothers and sisters in Grand Rapids doing? Well, thanks, Pastor. We're doing great. Everything's good. Be stunningly beautiful day out there today. A another day of uh, sunshine without a cloud in the sky and just perfect weather. It's great. So we're doing well. I mean, we're happy no to be sign, back. In no sign of hailstorms or locusts? No, no, none. And I know I know very little about locusts. I mean, I worked on the golf course. I saw a few grasshoppers in my day. I did once have a youth group trip with biting flies, which... Uh, oh. Uh, were horrendously evil. They would bite through two layers of socks, and Oof. their bites hurt so bad. And I remember feeling a little Moses-like um, as the, <laughs> all, the, all the kids and adult leaders are kind of yelling at me, yeah. why did you bring us here? And and then a big wind came and blew them all away. So we were very happy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, well, well. you mean, I guess with that experience, you think to yourself, like, hey, you know, th those uh, those plagues of, you know, flies and locusts, that's nothing to laugh at. You know, that's that, that's no small potatoes. Uh, but, but yeah, no, certainly, um, you know, it's it's interesting how how we can and how, how we can't at times kind of put ourselves into Moses's sandals, as they say. And I guess regardless of whether we've experienced these sorts of things, you know, this it is really interesting how in these last couple scenes, too, how just the, the hearts and minds of the Egyptians and Pharaoh in particular really seem to just be coming more and more to the fore. You know, we saw last time how, I mean, there was the division even within Pharaoh's um, uh, own people. Some are now hearkening to the word of God. So, I mean, this, uh, regardless of like the, the actual, you know, manifestations of God's power, th this idea of, uh, of stubbornness, of digging your heels in, I mean, that's, that's something that everybody can relate to. Yes. I, we do have a tendency to double down nowadays, don't we, <laughs> on, on, in our stubbornness. And, and, and we're, we're children of Pharaoh as, as we do that. I, and it's yeah. sort of incomprehensible how he digs his heels in. I mean, it just is 
counterproductive. It, well, his own advisors are going to say, look, don't you realize we're ruined? You, you, you know, yeah. well, no, and, th- and this is this is really interesting in this chapter because of that that point there, the, the way the way that comes out with his own his own advisors being like, hang on a second. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so let, let's uh, let's not put the cart before the horse, though. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and turn to the text here. Um, but uh, before we do, would you, brother, go ahead and open this up with a prayer? Absolutely. Lord God, Heavenly Father, send us your Holy Spirit in your Holy Word to open our ears and our lives to your Holy Word that we may rightly repent and joyfully believe uh, the, the real removal of all evil from us through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let, let's go ahead and we'll just read the chapter the whole way through here, and and then we'll go back and look at things in detail. We've kind of talked about a number of the things we're going to see. Anything else we should be keeping our ears open for before we go ahead and read the chapter? So we're, yeah, um, well, there are patterns here, and I'd love to hear what kind of patterns you saw previously, because I, I didn't pay attention to those previous broadcasts, sadly. I was um, <laughs> busy with a doxology retreat, but... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, but um, the, I think the, the really frightening thing here is the, uh, the phoniness of Pharaoh, right? I mean, the sort of this delusion mm. and and even the mock forgiveness or repentance, um, which yeah. that's a. I mean, to me, that's the scariest thing of all. Is is when we feign repentance, we beg for forgiveness, but it's in a phony way. Um, you know, kind of like Ananias and Sapphira lying to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you don't, you know, uh, uh, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't play with, uh, with, with the f- divine fire. Right. I mean, it's, right. Uh, he's there to cleanse you and forgive you and give you life, but don't, boy, don't, don't mess with him. <laughs> it right. also struck me that this is, um, I, I, I think we could learn some things f- for today as well, that, um, you know, all, all the the false gods of Egypt are kind of uh, defeated by these various plagues, um, particularly the sun god, which is their main one. We'll see that. Uh, and and it's like God is kind of showing them that you think you guys are in control. You're not in control. I'm in control. And as we go through this crazy 2020 where things go left and right, you know, all this stuff you don't expect – um, that you know, our Lord's in control here, and right. and you just need to rest in Him yeah. and hang on to His Word and trust Him. I, I, I th- thanks for saying that. I mean, I think that's uh, something we'll definitely want to be talking about. That you know, <laughs> there's certainly these connections to the Egyptian gods, and so we think to ourselves like, oh well, you know, we don't fall into that trap of polytheism. We we've advanced beyond that. That's not really a problem for us in our situation. But <laughs> as you were saying, um, is it really so different? Or, you know, in, in some ways, there really are only two options: monotheism and polytheism. And uh, you're kind of one or the other, one, even if you know it or not. But we can uh, we can talk more about that. But let's go ahead and read the chapter then. So here we got. Exodus chapter 10 here from the top in the English Standard Version. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Go in to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, that they may serve me, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail, and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field, that they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. And he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But which ones are to go? Moses said, we will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and our daughters and with all our flocks and herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. But he said to them, The Lord be with you if I ever let you and your little ones go. Look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go, the men among you, and serve the Lord, for that is what you are asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt and for, for the locusts, so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts as has never seen, been seen before, nor ever will be again. They covered the face of the whole land so that the whole land was darkened, and they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees and all the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field, through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I've sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand up toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another. Nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Moses, then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you, only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. 
But Moses said, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock must also go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take them to serve the Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again, for on the day you see my face you shall die. Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. Kind of ironic to say that while you're uh, in a plague of darkness, isn't it? <laughs> but... Well, that you know that that is uh, that actually raises a really good question, actually, as to what exactly is going on there. Um, you know, like scene setting is something that is is really debated, and we've been talking a little bit about that. Um, you know, is this is this meant to be a separate, a, a new scene? Is it the same scene, right? You know, it says that it's for three days. Um, I, I mean, is is this a description of what's going on during the three days, or is this like after it's been resolved? Those are all questions that are really open to interpretation, and it's interesting how it really kind of uh, changes the tone of everything, right? I mean, <laughs> like you were saying, is is there a little bit of irony in that, um, you know, or or uh, is it maybe going a little bit of a different direction? So, yeah, you know, all all really interesting questions. Yeah, which yeah, hard to know. Yeah, no, so, it, it, uh, it, it is. And, and also, I mean, like, not to like, totally jump the gun, but I mean, it's a really big question as to how this uh, plague of darkness fits in with what follows, right? Uh, because, you know, here you've got, you know, uh, Moses is, you know, saying, fine, I'm not, I won't see you again. Um, and then uh, it, it seems not long afterward, he's there talking to Pharaoh and his people again. So, you know, I mean, it, it's sort of like, no, hang on a second, what's... Where where are these guys right now? Is a yeah, is a very good question. Yeah, maybe he zoomed in or something. Uh, oh man, oh man, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was, right? I mean, there's no, there's no description of him going into the palace. There's no description of him being on the Nile. It must be via Zoom. I mean, there there was that epidemic with the livestock, so you know. Uh, yeah, but um, overall, uh, I think as you said, I mean, it really is something how isolated Pharaoh's becoming. How I mean, I mean, this is just so interesting. How you know, with the with the hailstorm, his servants, are, you know, some of his servants are like, okay, well, Pharaoh's being you know stubborn, but I'm going to go ahead and bring all my people inside because I don't want this to happen to my servants and to my animals. Um, and here they're just like Pharaoh, please, what are you doing? We're, can't, can't you, I mean, that's the, that's the phrase. Don't you understand Egypt is ruined? Like what, what are you, what are you hanging on to here? You know? And, and so in this place they're, they're, they're kind of, I mean, being a little bit, a little bit defiant. Um, so, I mean, it just really is interesting how it's just Pharaoh is losing all support. And I mean, on the other hand, as they say, kind of everything left, um, to stubbornly hold on to, um, and that, and that's just like the shape of it in a very dramatic way in this chapter. I mean, it's just really what, when, when all this talk of his stubbornness and as you're pointing out, his kind of, uh, you know, pseudo repentance and like, Oh, I've sinned and all of this, right. It's just, uh, it really does just highlight that aspect of what's going on in Pharaoh's heart. 
Yeah. At, um, the, 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 they say that his advisors say this is a, a snare, a trap for us. And they're actually right, right, that, that this continued rejection of the Lord's call to let his people go and that the, the, the continuing hardening of Pharaoh's heart, which is his own fault originally, right? I mean, he, he ignores the word and then the Lord hardens his heart. Okay, you, you, you know, that's the way you want it, right? So I'm going to use your hard heart to, to just make total fun of you. I mean, uh, to yeah. destroy every vestige of your authority and power. And you think you're in control, baloney. And, uh, um, and it's... Uh, and this is really, really is a, a snare, right? They're, they're going to lose everything. Um, and they're going to not only, not only are the, the Israelites going to leave, but they're going to take all sorts of stuff with them, right? Uh, which is exactly what God promised would happen. Uh, it, remind, it does remind me of kind of the passion account where, you know, the, um, where mm. you got all this plotting going on against Jesus, but actually God's in charge of it. And when you when you read right. the passion account, you can't help but go, boy, I think Jesus Jesus tells you exactly what's going to happen. It's going to happen at the Passover, and they say not during the Passover unless there be an uproar among the people, mm-hmm. and then it's mm-hmm. a Passover. I mean, it's like yeah, right, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that that's true. Well, and then of course you've got this uh, darkness thing, you know, and uh, so here it's three days, um, and there in the Passion it's three hours, right? So I mean, right. there's uh, there there are some really interesting connections to be seen here. But um, well, I mean, one thing at a time. Let's just start with locusts here, okay. right? So okay, um, sure. okay. I was I was mentioning, you know, so the back at the top of the chapter, I was mentioning before, you know, the things I've learned about locusts. One thing I didn't know for a long yeah. time is that locusts are actually the same thing as grasshoppers. Um, it's just that okay. there's a locust mode. And what happens is that these things, when they're normally pretty solitary creatures, but when there get to be too many of them um, in an area, they they literally physically change and their bodies get dark, which is kind of interesting, actually, because this does happen right before mm. the plague of darkness. And actually, we have all this darkness language actually implicit in the locust, well, implicit and explicit. Right. In, in this locust uh, description of the plague. So their bodies get dark. They go from like green to like black, sometimes like black with like red or orange spots or something. Um, and they, their muscles actually get bigger. Um, they just become more voracious. And all of a sudden they go from solitary insects to gregarious swarming um, insects. And they, they do just, they just come and they come in swarms and they just devour absolutely everything in sight. And and it's it's interesting how that, this seems to be highlighting also with with this darkness the the seeing aspect of it. We've seen that you know a big big theme of all of this is um, you know that you may know that I am the Lord. That's why you're going to uh, see these things, right? It says there in verse one, pardoned his heart and the heart of his servants that I may show these signs of mine. So I, I mean, it is just really interesting then how when you when you have this language of of showing, knowing, darkness, seeing, it, it all seems to be really just pronouncing this theme here in this chapter. Yeah, it's like like Peter, right? You, him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, right? Which is yeah. um, you can see and know, and uh, yes, the. I mean, the locusts will actually make it dark, right? The cloud of them is so great. Um, mm-hmm. This is going to be the most intense uh, uh, attack of locusts, 
which you're going to tell your children and grandchildren, which is just pure promise, isn't it? Right. That, um, Hey Moses, you guys are going to make it through this just fine. It's going to look awful, Um, but you're going to be telling your kids about it and your grandkids about it. And we're going to keep passing on this amazing message of what, what our Lord's done to rescue us as he allowed us to see through his word, what you couldn't see um, with unaided vision, right? That uh, the Lord's actually behind this and, uh, the darkness of Pharaoh's heart and rebellion is is demonstrated here in this, you know. It's interesting in Revelation um, when uh, uh, when the uh, fifth angel blows the trumpet. Right? Yeah, the, hell hell is opened, um, yep. and this the the, the, the abyss, like, right? What the, the dark yeah, right the dark the watery bit, right? place, yeah. right? Yeah, right. The bottomless pit, right, and and all of this, this it, it, it looks like smoke, but it's locusts, and it's and yet they're like like really warrior locusts, not yep. just with big muscle, muscles, but now they got like don't they have like metal teeth or something like that? It's like oh yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean this no, really right. intense awful, and I think that's probably demonic, but, um, probably demonic attack, um, I imagine, but. Uh, uh, well, well, but yeah, but I appreciate you bringing that up, though. Actually, I mean, just one of our, yeah. our comments on on Facebook was just mentioning the similarities with Revelation too. And we looked at that, you know, not that long ago, but there definitely seems to be some kind of connection going on in in, in Revelation. This hearkening back to the plagues of Egypt and you know calling apostate Jerusalem, you know, Egypt, even. And uh, it's yeah. interesting how, yeah, even there, there's this connection between darkness, right? Like the abyss, the place of darkness, uh, this great dark cloud of locusts, right? This darkness in the locusts again. Um, I, I mean, and that's and that's really interesting, I think, because I, I, I guess that what that kind of starts to make make us think about is like, okay, like with all this you know, darkness language, right? I mean. Um, you know, even like, you know, mentioning like the abyss, right, which is, um, I mean, the word that you have in Genesis 1 there, the very beginning, you know, is is this a reference to creation on a certain level? I mean, are we supposed to be thinking about uh, the first day, how how there was darkness mm-hmm. there? Um, so, I mean, that, that that's actually, that's pretty provocative, too, that like maybe, maybe we're going in, in that direction, too. And if so, like what's what's the connection there if we're supposed to be kind of getting a a Genesis reference? So the only one who could bring light out of that darkness is is the Lord, and He does it by His Word. Um, and uh, and you know, chaos is uh, uh, is a real force or a, a real destruction of order, um, and we're we're seeing this this all kind of fall apart into this chaotic uh, darkness whereas our lord he brings in order it he does use darkness darkness uses darkness to give us rest and stuff i mean it, there is a purpose for darkness um uh, but uh but it's ordered right and it's got a place and it's got limits but this is this uh limitless darkness uh you know this complete darkness that uh well, as they say, can be felt, right? Um, and uh, and it, it strikes me that in 
society today, um, you know, we're there's a lot of kind of chaotic stuff going on, um, and that's what what draws particularly younger people. I've, I've been told by uh, uh, Dr. Chad Kent or Chad Kendall is working on his doctorate um, that that uh, they're drawn to order and beauty. Uh, and our Lord's got that all over the place, right? His light and order and beauty, uh, which he brought out of the tohu wabohu, right? Out of the right. chaotic nothingness uh, and, and brought it into order in life. And, yeah, I mean, you could see that here in this in this account of the locust, by the way. I mean, when uh, when those biting flies attacked uh, us uh, and they were blown away by a wind, not all of the biting flies were blown away. <laughs> I mean, to have all of the locusts gone, you know. Uh, that's true. Th- th- that, I mean, that's that... right. There, there is there is something just about the way that the Lord actually drives them away, even. like that. That's like a, a sign almost in and of itself that deserves some comment, mm-hmm. too. Um, mm-hmm. It's time for our break, but... Uh, we, we got we got a lot of good stuff to keep talking about here, and we will want to talk about darkness when we get back. But everybody, hang on. We're looking at Exodus chapter ten here on Nice Strong Word. Be right back. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss the use and legalization of marijuana with Dr. Raymond Bertino of the Illinois Society of Addiction Medicine. And we'll talk with Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy about Christian questions and their answers from Luther's Small Catechism. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. Looking at Exodus chapter 10 today, looking at these plagues as we see both of them in some respects of 
Darkness. Joined today by our guest, Pastor David Fleming, pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, we've already had a few comments and some questions come in via email. We'll take a look at those in just a minute here. If you do have any questions or comments, want to join the conversation, give us a call, 1-800-730-2727. Also, if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. The email address is kfuo at kfuo.org. Um, so very easy to remember. Uh, kfuo at kfuo.org or you can always just uh, get on facebook facebook.com slash aj.espinosa i want to make sure to thank our underwriters at the lutheran heritage foundation thank you guys for underwriting thy strong word their website lhfmissions.org and yeah we'll have to listen and looking at some of these questions here uh kind of focusing on the idea of uh you know contrition and uh the, the hardness of the heart yeah we, we kind of we keep getting back to that um we're going to look at that again i think in just a second but i i wanted to just um you know we we're just talking about you know possible connections to genesis here and i, I think there's a few um w- one of them they're in they're in verse five i want to see what you think of this brother uh they're in ver- verse mm-hmm. five it says here they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land, and that's um, that's really <laughs> that's really interesting the way that that's put there because uh, actually and this is something I I was reacquainted with recently in Genesis chapter one what God actually says in relation um, to the day three emergence of the land um, is that may the, may the the solid ground may the may the dry ground appear what, what literally yeah. uses the verb for see become visible um that that's that's what he says um and here it's it, may it become invisible <laughs> i mean so i mean that's that's really striking i mean like it's the same verb there actually um and and the way it talks about it and of course i mean also um you know on day three what else did you have you know the creation of you know all these uh, green things right and all the, it says, you know, very emphatically here, like every single green thing is totally devoured. You know, there's not, not a shrub left. So, I mean, it, it really is interesting how it, it seems to like be, I don't know. I mean, like I don't, I see, I can't see how it's like not connected to Genesis. Um, and, you know, and if it, and if it is meant to be connecting um, to Genesis there, um, to have these kind of things that are connected to like the first few days already it feels feels a little bit like a countdown then which which is kind of a sc- scary idea i boy i think that's really insightful i um i hadn't noticed that myself um i'm glad you brought it to my attention i yes it does feel like it is this countdown doesn't it and that the land does disappear and the and all this uh, green vegetation is gone um you know the water and air i suppose that's um already been taken care of by earlier plagues so it might not exactly count down but within the darkness uh, the unannounced plague of darkness, right? That just happens. Right. He just does it. Um, uh, does go back to this chaos, this, uh, you know, the tohu wabohu, the, the formless and void, right? And um, wow. You know, if our Lord doesn't uh, preserve all these gifts that we're looking at right now or, you know, uh, uh, sensing right now with our 
senses. I mean, they're not there, right? <laughs> he can. I mean, it's yeah. he holds this whole thing together by his word, not by uh, it, it, it. To think that this thing has an existence on its own, uh, yeah. apart from the Lord holding it, yeah, is uh, certainly quite arrogant. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Well, I mean, it really is. Um, I mean, so this is this is interesting, right? So this this idea of you know the, his arrogance, his hard-heartedness, and and, and we, we keep getting back to this. So maybe maybe it's a good point to go ahead and take a look at these at these uh, questions here. So uh, the questions are, you know, okay. So what's going on in Pharaoh's heart, right? Is God like disabling his ability to repent here, right? Like like maybe a, a sane person would <laughs> but but god's uh you know just just stopping it right like you know all, all of his all, all his uh people right his servants are like hey come on like what's what's going on and that, and that is the interesting thing that happens here right in in verse seven you know it's 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 as if you know everyone else is just like hang on we need to let these people go um don't you get it and then that's that's pretty interesting there that you actually have the verb of understanding because uh, we talked about this a little bit the idea of a of a heavy heart, a heart made heavy in Hebrew, is not that like it's a sad heart, but rather that it's an insensitive heart that that can't understand or parse things or respond to things or or get things. So I mean, is this God? Um, I don't know, like cutting off the possibility here, um, or, or 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 is it something else? I mean, is is it just that? I mean, Pharaoh wasn't actually sincere in this really ever um and if that's the case then so what what marks out real contrition or true contrition there that's a that's a well that's <clears throat> that's always a dangerous place to go right because yeah. um the, the, the devil will use that on us constantly did you really repent right all sincere means by the way is without covering um so, I mean, you know, the word sincere actually means without covering, without, you know, some kind of mask on. Um, so he, he's, he's, he's using this like, I'm, you know, I, uh, I'm wrong, I'm, you know, please forgive me. He's using that as a mask, right? He's, he's actually hiding what, what he's trying to accomplish. Um, uh, whereas... Uh, you know, repentant sinners, uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit, put the mask down, and they go, "I'm, yeah. a, I'm a mess. I deserve God's judgment." Right? Does this does this guy admit that he deserves God's judgment? Does he admit that he sinned against God's word? Of course not. Um, uh, now, does the Lord love him? Of course he does. I mean, he doesn't want to see anybody go go to hell. But uh, yet, um, there is a point where the Continual rejection of our Lord's word uh, does harden someone and make them insensitive to that word, yeah. uh, which is why you know we do have to be really careful about the uh, when we're around our, our Lord's gifts that we don't just become insensitive to them, right? That like yeah, whatever, <laughs> um, which is right. you know that's a real danger. Yeah, I, I think you know I was. Um... I was a little bit arguing for this before in a previous uh, chapter we were looking at that, you know, this idea of the the heavy heart of Pharaoh and that and that verb, or we, you know, there's a few verbs for the hardening of his heart. One of them is heavy uh, and, and the making heavy and the heavy hand of God being upon him as, you know, heavy, 
a heavy plague breaks out and heavy hail falls on them, right? Uh, it, it seems very much that it's ac the actual plagues themselves it, are the instrument by which God does this to him, right? Like, so we should not be reading that, like, you know, God's doing all these plagues, which are scary and would call us to repentance. Uh, but then on the side, he's like pulling these strings and he's zapping Pharaoh with like mind control. Uh, no. Um, and it's in fact, actually that the plagues themselves are the things that makes him heavy and insensitive. I mean, which is which is just really something I think because it just goes to show how just bad things happening like that doesn't make someone repentant all by itself. Just just bad things happening yeah. doesn't change someone's life around, right? I mean, because there are you know two different re reactions, right? You, you can, <laughs> I mean, you can either say like, "Whoa, I'm going down the wrong path here," right, and say I'm not going to go down any further, or you can say well, I'm going to press on further because I just got to go a little bit further, right? And then things will shape up or or, or in the despairing way. You say, I'm just going to keep going because whatever. I mean, like, you know, they do what they will, but I'm sticking to my guns. Um, and, and so there's there's not really, I, I think, anything in the text that suggests that this is a, somehow like unnatural or bizarre on Pharaoh's part, but rather this is, this is exactly the kind of response that a proud leader who thinks that he is a god himself would respond to these right. plagues. And God's just slowly turning up the volume on these plagues and cooking this lobster here. Oh, I, which, boy, that's a, we've seen that in life, haven't we, right? Oh, yeah. Elsewhere. Um, and, yeah, I mean, so God allows Christians' difficulties to push us back to him, <laughs> right? And uh, uh, he... Uh, and yet these same difficulties will push others away by their own rejection of his his word and gifts in the midst of it. Well, and I, and I think that, that that really complements actually what you were saying, that, you know, he's using this—it's this, this, a facade of, of, of repentance. I, I, I think I agree with you. When you look at the language here, right, like I say at the verse of, end of verse 11 there— you know, what, what's it say, right? Um, they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. And the way that he combatively is like, you know, like, well, who's going to go? Uh, no, not that. You know, just here, look, take this and go now out of here. Um, you know, it, it seems like he's just, you know, he's willing to go so far, but it's like he he knows what he wants to do. He hasn't actually changed his mind. I mean, that, that's the thing, right? So, I mean, I do think it's very much like he's he's just kind of like— I mean, and the thing is— um, we were mentioning the whole polytheism thing before. This is exactly how polytheism works, right? Like you, you do something bad, you you anger some god, and then you got to figure out, okay, which god did I get? Was it you? Was it, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're fantastic. I, I'm apologize. No, was it you? I, I'm sorry. You are the greatest god. You are the you are the, you're the, you're the only. There you are. I'm so sorry. I mean, you just you just kind of humble yourself before whichever god you've angered. Right, and you you do the show, you do the, the song and the dance, and if you follow like the the step by step guide, um, then the god's supposed to let you off the hook. I mean that that's how that's how magic, that's how polytheism works, right? You you follow the steps yeah. and you get the result you want. Uh, but the, yep. but this is how God differentiates Himself. He's like there's there's no there's no cookbook for for getting my blessings. You, you can't you can't use magic and incantations with me uh, because I I'm not fooled by your external song and dance. I claim the heart. And I think as proof that it, it, of this facade going on, this, that this is phony, it, verse 10, where he then uses what would be a blessing as a, as a mocking 
and a you know a curb. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. the Lord be with you. I mean, it's full. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is you know it's just really frightening stuff when you start taking the the Lord's beautiful gifts of blessing and turn them into curses, right? I, um, it sort of reminds me of those when, those Mizpah uh, little things that when, when I was in high school, like everybody would give one to their friend and all that. And, uh, you know, that actually wasn't such a nice thing, right? The Lord watch between you and me while we're apart from each other because he's going to get you if you mess with me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, that's um, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's... Uh... Yeah, the, 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 these are not all blessings there. Yeah, no, that that really is something, just the, the way, I mean, his words really, it, it's pretty, I think, clear in, in the language that you have. And and, uh, and of course, that's why immediately afterwards, God says, okay, now get him, right? You know, stretch stretch out your hand. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's no thought that, you know, maybe this is, this is real repentance or something like that. Um, you, you know, it's it's interesting— you know, in, in this exchange here, you know, so th- th- there is this back and forth, and we'll we'll have to maybe go to the details of the locus in in a, in a minute here. But if if we skip back down a little bit, um, you know, you kind of get back into this um, this negotiation, right? Um, and so, like, as after the darkness, the negotiation continues, um, and, and it's just like this, you know, who's going to go? Right and who and is it is it your little ones? Do they get to go? Well, okay, maybe maybe the you you get to go, but not not the livestock, right? Like it's just he the whole time it's like it's got to be on my terms, right? It's like I'm not just gonna like let God do what He wants. Like I've got to have some say in this, which which I think really shows how I mean there is no repentance, right? Because I mean it's repentance is. on a certain level, it's the surrender, right? You raise the white flag. There are no terms, right? There is no, well, let's make a deal, God. No. See, I think this is, maybe this is a helpful way of trying to answer that question about true contrition, I think, um, without kind of getting into like, oh, do you have, you know, real contrition? Like you were saying, it'd be a dangerous game to play. But I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, the, the pseudo repentance is trying to make a deal with God and saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this no matter what. But maybe I'll do a little bit for God. That that's deal making. Repentance is saying, "Okay, I give up. Like I really give up. God, do what you will." I mean, it, it's it's that it's that surrender that prays, "Thy will be done." Yes, and isn't it interesting that the things he he wants to hold back are uh, the, the, kind of the wealth of Israel, its cattle and so forth, and uh, the the little ones and the and the uh, women uh, that. Uh, so what uh, we sometimes uh, try to control our we, uh, instead of just uh, recognizing that everything we are and have is from our Lord and is his, we, we try to hold back parts of our life or parts of what we have. You know, I'm not, I'm not giving that up. Um, right. We sort of negotiate with God um, to try to kind of make whatever bad thing happened go away. We try to make him happy. But look, there's no way we can make God happy. It's, he's got to do that with us. And yeah. he by well, putting his son in the darkness, right? Yeah. And isn't there something really ironic, though, about the way that he is holding on? And this is something I've, I've always been a little bit uneasy about, right? Because isn't it, isn't it odd what, um, 
what, what, where is the verse there that where he says this, right? Um, yeah, you know, it's back in verse 10. Um, he's like, now hang on a second. You can't be taking your kids too, because if you take them, then you must have some evil purpose in mind, right? <laughs> now, I mean, now, isn't that interesting? I mean, the way that I've always, that's always hit me is, now, hang on a second, Moses. You're asking for this, you know, three-day worship festival out in the wilderness, right? Okay, okay, that that sounds fine, but here's my thing. You go off with everybody and everything you have. I'm not really convinced that you're ever coming back. Um, so I've got to hold on to some collateral here to make sure that you're not going to just, you know, vamoose entirely. See, and, th- and that's really, that's really, this is the, the kind of weird thing that some commentators get at where it's like, now, hang on, like, I mean, is this subterfuge or something like that, right? Because, you know, Pharaoh here is afraid that they're just going to just leave and skip town. And Moses is almost posturing like, oh, Pharaoh, like, just just listen to God. Well, we're going to go on this on this, uh, on this this little expedition here. And isn't that interesting what he says there in verse—it's um, at verse 12, right? Where—no, uh, no, no, I think, I think it was actually later here. I was just uh, looking at a question that we had on the internet about that. I think it's verse 20—was it 22, maybe? Um, but, like, he says, like, you know, every single— uh, animal needs to come with us. I'm not sure which verse it was now. Do you, do you yeah, have that verse later there, brother? Than that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 26. Not there a horse shall you. be left behind, for we must take, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Our livestock must also go, right? I, I mean, so, I mean, that's interesting. And he actually gives the rationale. We don't, because we don't know which ones we'll need. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you right. know, which, which, <laughs> which almost feels comical, where it's like, well, you know, you know, it's like this three-day festival, and he's like, do you really need, like, all of your animals for are you gonna slaughter them all moses and he's like well no but i mean you never know you got to be prepared um you know so i mean is this is this like war is this like you know the the tactics of war here or i mean what's what's going on you think well, that's, I mean, this is a great question. I, I, we know what God's up to, right? Yeah. Ultimately, he is going to get them all out of there, and that's what he said he would do right from the very beginning. So whether this is the subterfuge or not, I don't, um, I, I don't, I think it's kind of immaterial, sort of. I mean, it's, it's something to speculate on, I suppose. But, uh, but you know, when when an animal is sacrificed or, or um uh, when a, a priest is ordained, it's a, this is a representative for all of them, right? Not just for, it's not just that animal or just that priest. They're they're for all the people and for all the animals. And I mean, so you, uh, they're they're all actually participating in this, even if they're not the one getting uh, either ordained or 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 put to death, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so. They do need to be there, and it and the Lord is going to tell them who they need and when and all that. That I mean, that happens all over the place in Scripture, right? Um, right. The Lord has need of it. Well, you know, I, I wonder if you know part of it. I, I don't know. This, this is, I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is one way perhaps of of thinking about it. You know, like I, I wonder if 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 maybe the idea is. Moses is like, well, he, he, like you said, he knows God's plan. He, he told him way back, God, God told him way back in like chapter three, like, this is, this is where we're going. Like, I'm, I'm taking you to, to, to Canaan, you know, like that, that's what's yep. happening, right? So he knows the whole plan. Um, the elders, in fact, know the whole plan. Um, but God says, look, here's how I want you to approach this. 
I, I don't want you to just, you know, come out and be like, hey, Pharaoh, we're packing our bags and we're going to Canaan. And by the way, tomorrow God's just going to hit you with a, a giganto plague of utter destruction. Take all your firstborn. So you, you better just let us go to Canaan. Like it, he doesn't just come out with that. Right. But like, like we we're saying, he kind of turns up the volume gradually, right? Like, you know, kind of keeps pressure, uh, pushing the, the, the pressure on him more and more kind of like in a way where it's like, you, you, you kind of, you kind of grow numb to it, right? Cause it's increasing so gradually you don't notice it. Right. Kind of like, if you think of like, you're in a car, if you go from zero to 60 in three seconds, you're going to feel that <laughs> if you, if you go really, really gradually, like your cup of coffee won't even spill. Right. I mean, so, so, so it's a little bit like that. And so God's like, Hey, look, what I want you to do is ask for just a three day journey. Right. That's what I want you to ask for. And so Moses is doing his job as God's spokesperson. And he's just, this is a negotiation tactic. We're just, all we're asking for as a starting point is three days. And you think about like, especially in barter societies, I mean, this is totally normal. Like you you put out your initial offer, right. And it's like your initial offer is I mean, frankly, it's never, <laughs> I mean, exactly like what you want or whatever, right? But the point is, it's like the starting point. And so God's saying like, hey, this is how much you to negotiate. Um, and Pharaoh's afraid of where this negotiation is going to go. But it's ironic because because he's so afraid of it, it's like a self-fulfilled prophecy. Because yeah, if he had just said at the beginning, like, okay, yeah, you know what? I've been pretty mean lately. You guys just go and do, take, do your three-day festival. Right. I mean, if that had happened, one wonders if the exodus would have happened at all. I mean, I mean, kind of when you read everything that's here, like, no, it wouldn't have, <laughs> you know, God would have been like, oh, this is great. Like, you know, you know, my servant Joseph, you know, he lived down in Egypt and I took care of them and they were able to worship me. And now, you know, hey, my people can still live in Egypt and they're being taken care of. Right. And they get to worship me still. Um, so, it, I mean, it's crazy, but it's, it's a self-fulfilled prophecy. And isn't that like what sin does, like the lack of repentance? It's it's this like fear of, of losing something, but because of the way it clutches onto things, it self-fulfilled prophecy and that's how you lose it and isn't that isn't that parallel again i'm sorry to to go uh, to jesus passion here but isn't that parallel to the the jewish leaders if if we let this guy go on he's going to destroy us in our in our country everything oh man hold on to it and so it's so i we know look that guy that guy was blind from birth we know it <laughs> you know and he healed him nobody's nobody's ever healed a blind guy but we're we still got to put this guy to death we got to get rid of him we got you know or we're going to lose everything and and they don't realize that they're actually going to lose everything because they put the guy to death although he does that on their behalf even that right i mean yeah. that, uh, it's human nature is a fascinating thing isn't it what when we grab on to uh, hold, trying to hold on to our own power and and uh, control that we actually like lose it even more. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, there's there's the paradox, and, and I mean, I think this is like what the when the Lord says, you know, ever whoever um, tries to to save his life will lose it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same yeah, idea. You try yeah, to hang great. on to your life, hang on to your life, no matter what. I'm hanging on to my life, but that's that. Well, first of all, it's no life, right? Um, and then second of all, it's, it doesn't lead to life. I mean, I mean, so this, this is the, the paradox, right, of, of sin when you, when you don't see because you're just myopically just trying to grab on um, like that. I mean, that's, that's how you, you know, this is like a, I don't, I don't know, like the angry monster, like, you know, clutching onto the flower only to open up the hand and realize that he's destroyed it, right? I mean, it's, 
You, you, you can't keep the good things of God like this. The good things of God are exactly that, of God, and they can only be with you on his terms. And so, I mean, all these, these things that you have here, you know, it says, you know, the, the fruit, the trees, the green things of the field, they're all God's blessings, and now they're all gone because of aligning himself against God. Um, really briefly, there was a question here about the very last exchange in the last couple of verses. You know, Pharaoh says, you know, get away from me. You know, don't, don't, don't see my face again, right? The day you do, you'll die. And, and Moses is like, as you say, I will not see your face again. Um, you know, one of the things that always struck me about that, and probably I'm guessing this is where the question came from, is, is it, it kind of feels like um, the way you, this is worded, like Moses is making like a prediction or something, like, like okay, you will never see my face again, like because he's like a prophet, right? Um, but if he's a prophet and he's saying that, well, that doesn't work out because like he's gonna see Pharaoh's face, uh, <laughs> like it, you know, before they leave at the very least after the the, the striking of the firstborn. Um, so it, so it seems like what, he, what he's actually saying is like um, like Pharaoh's saying like not you know if you ever see my face again, but this is that that word for presence, right? So it's like, if you ever come back here to my palace, to my court, right, I'm going to kill you. Don't come back asking for an audience with me. And then Moses is like, fine, I'm not going to be asking for any more audiences, which really, I think, is pretty ominous <laughs> because uh, Pharaoh would sure like to have another audience, another chance here, but he's not going to get one. Um, I mean, so, I mean, just the way that this ends here, right, it's again, Pharaoh is asking for his own damnation, I mean, in the end. So, I mean, it's it's really it's really something, again, just how sin clutches on, but it just shows how God works from all this darkness. And, and this does, I think, prefigure the darkness on the cross, that even though there's all these evil men hanging on and clutching on to power, he uses that to save his people. Yes, he does, doesn't he, right? He takes, you know, it takes this determined will of mankind to destroy, but the determined will of God to save is even greater, right? And, and so he, he takes that all into himself to accomplish the defeat of death and sin by his resurrection. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, brother. Fun conversation as always. God bless uh, this season for you and your congregation and looking forward to having you on again real soon. Thanks so much. Everybody, that was Pastor David Fleming, pastor of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay, here it comes. We're going to look at the Passover next time. It's an awesome chapter. Till then, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.